Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Diary of an Addict. Today is a tough day, um, but a necessary one. It's International Overdose Awareness Day, and it's a day to remember loved ones who have died from drug overdose and acknowledge the grief of the family and friends left behind. But as I say all the time, I think it's one step further than that. I think that in addition to this day, we should always live our life to the fullest for our family and friends who didn't get the chance to. We're blessed and honored to have Cody Brady join us on the show to share her story. As always, I'm forever thankful for anybody who's willing to make yourself vulnerable and tell their story. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I know it's a hard thing to do to share your story. Um, Cause you got to like make yourself vulnerable, you know, and tell, tell stuff sometimes that you may have never said before. So I want to thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's just get right to it. Um, can you tell us a little about yourself, your name, where you're from? Uh, tell us a little bit about your parents. Did you have both parents in the home? Did you, did they, did you ever see them use or drink? Um, my name is Cody Brady. I'm from the Birdtown community, uh, Turkey Indian Reservation, Paula Boundary, let me say the boundary. But, uh, I grew up, um, uh, with a single mom. Uh, two brothers on my mom's side and uh, my dad kind of showed up years later and I have a brother with my father which my father's passed away now but uh, I grew up around my uh, grandparents also so um, but no I, I never witnessed no alcoholism in my mother's home but in my dad's home that's where pretty much introduced to everything how old were you when you were introduced to, when you started to get introduced to things? Well, I was nine years old when I got introduced to my father and my grandmother. And um, it started happening probably when I was like 13. But it was just marijuana at first. How uh, did you smoke often or was it just like something that you did when you were with friends or did you do it by yourself or? I did it by myself, but I can remember, man, being like eight years old and uh, hoofing gas out of uh, like the uh, fielders and stuff. My grandpa had the garden. And so being that young and I seen a cousin do it and then I started doing it. And uh, like I said, my grandpa caught wind of that and he like he beat her ass. But maybe now when I think about that and the question you asked, it's like, did the addiction start then? And I just too young to know it, you know? Yeah. Um, our stories are kind of similar in that fact that, well, my stepdad, he, he also, that's where he, uh, he sold weed. So from a young age, I've seen people smoke and, you know, um, at the time I didn't see nothing wrong with it because I was a kid and that was like my, my, 
my role model, you know what I mean? So for me to see him doing that, it, I thought it was okay. And then, you know, obviously even, even the crowds that, the crowds that are smoking weed differ very from the uh, <clears throat> differ very much from the crowds that are doing other drugs like meth or heroin. You know, you know what I mean? Yes. So I, I understand that too. Uh, I wondered that also about myself because I started smoking weed from a. I didn't smoke continuously. Like I didn't say I smoked so much per week. Like, I'm not going to say I was that regular, but like if it was around or if I could get it, I would smoke it. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point that you raised there. Um, Do you remember, did you ever drink or? Yeah, I would sneak alcohol. Um, I kind of got mixed up in middle school with the wrong crowd. And I went home with a, a young lady She's deceased now, but um, her parents drink all the time, and my mom actually found out I was there that weekend, and I just watched him come pick me up. But, uh, yes, I, I experienced alcohol. Then I started sneaking around drinking at, at my father's house because that's what his my stepmom did all the time. She drank all the time. So my weekends were full of her and her brothers just drinking all the time. Do you think that it was just, did you think at the time that it was bad or was like you, that was just normal because you've seen it? I was scared. I was like always scared and like my anxiety would kick up because I knew, I knew how my mom felt about stuff like that and my grandparents felt about it. So I was always scared, like always anxiety because I was, I, I knew it was wrong all the time. I knew it wasn't welcome, but I knew it was welcome at my dad's house. So it was just real confusion. It's like I got good at role playing, how to act at my dad's, how to act at my mom's, how to act at my grandparents. It's like I could change all these characters at a young age, like adapting to wherever I was at and how to act. So it's like I became a manipulator real young. Like a chameleon, kind of. Yes. That's that's deep, Cody. Uh, for you to recognize that, uh, I was going to say right before you started talking about that, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you were saying how the dynamic at your mom's was vastly different from the dynamic at your dad's. Would you say it was like night and day almost? Exactly. Exactly night and day. And then and you, had learned, you had to um, learn. Go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. Um, she would see like my attitude was different when I would come from there. It's like my attitude, like I would bring it home sometimes. And I bad, it's like a bad attitude. And I knew what she was talking about because my dad would let stuff ride. And my stepmom was like, you always cussed and did this and that. And then my mom was like, no, nah. she put me back in my place. So by the time middle of the week comes, she'd have me back in order. Then it was another weekend. And then you had to start the process over. Over and over and over. Do you think uh, it was like you were having to live in two worlds there, you know what I mean, which were completely different? Do you think that um, part of the reason you might have got so bad was that you were tired of, like, playing these roles, like tired of trying to figure not only play the role but figure out which role that you need to play based on where you are? Yeah, and with my sexuality, too, because, you know, 
my mom, she was firm about, you know, what the Bible says and how it's wrong, you know, and she believes in God, believes in the Bible, so what the Bible says, it says it. But she's never down me for my lifestyle. Don't, don't get me wrong right there. She's accepted who I am and everything, but that's her belief, and it's what the Bible says. And, you know, it was the same way with my grandparents. So it's like I was confused of who I was, what I was trying to be, and do I dress like a girl, do I dress like a boy? It was just like on top of the anxiety part of that, too. So it, it, it was it was rough. Man, so so not only were you trying to play the role of how you should act at your mom's versus how you should act at your dad's, you were also trying to figure out if you needed to act like a girl for your mom or a, you know what I mean? Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, my dad was taking me hunting and stuff and fishing and stuff and, you know, which my mom would do the same thing. We're going to picnics and hunting. My stepdad was ginseng digging, you know, deer hunter. My dad was a deer hunter and construction with my dad and my uncles all the time and it was just like back and forth back and forth so yeah it was hard it was hard it was confusing i can imagine um was your dad more accepting of your sexuality than your mom it sounds like it because he took you hunting. No, no no my um no he took me hunting stuff but my mom accepted it way more than he did he would he would always tell me like I'd rather you be biggest whore in Turkey than an effing lesbian, you know, and he just say he was always negative, real negative about it. Oh wow. Um, I'm sure golly, I can't imagine how that was and you were what age when you were trying to juggle all this? Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. And then you add alcohol and it was just marijuana into the mix at this point, right? Yeah, and uh, like Tylenol, the cough syrup, or the Tylenol, it, it was liquid Tylenol, like, um, the red stuff. Oh, and I would, yeah. I would drink it, drink it, just drinking it and stuff, like at eight or nine. Like my mom never knew that. My dad never knew that. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I can't, now that I'm talking about it, it's just like, wow. Like maybe I, I was an addict. Maybe I don't know. It's kind of confusing now. Um, do you do you remember when you first drank the Tylenol? Yeah, I started doing that. When I was about seven years old. What prompted you to do that? I don't know. It, it come like it was happening about the same time I was sniffing gas. Yeah. Did you continue that also? regularly or did when you started drinking alcohol and smoking weed did that slow down that completely stopped like oh. the alcohol, you know, the alcohol and the marijuana it completely stopped like my dad my mom didn't allow it but my dad would allow it so like i said it was a war all that war all the time just trying to balance that did you uh how was your how was you doing in school? I mean, I know you said you got involved with the wrong crowd in middle school. Did you, uh, or like, were you still going to school? Was you, you were, were yeah. you getting in trouble at school? Yeah, I was always in trouble at school. Um, man, I was always in trouble at school or, um, I dropped out of school when I was a senior and I started working with my dad all the time, uh, construction work. And, um, 
which, uh, you know, I never even got a GED until I went to treatment two years ago. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Um, yeah, thank you. It's never too late. I mean, are you are you going to go? Are you going to continue on? Uh, yeah, and try to go to college. Yeah. Okay, good job. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, can we uh, can we get back to that later on? I want to touch back on that here in just a little bit, but. Um, so we're struggling in school. We're getting in trouble at school. We're trying to figure out what role we need to play based on where we're at. We're trying to figure out what role that we are in life as a growing teenager. Um, do I have boyfriends or do I have girlfriends? Yeah. Yeah. Which I had boyfriends, too. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? Yeah, it's, it was like, it was just for show. I never cared for it. It was like. Did um did they know that it was for show? Like, did did you tell them? Or, like, were they your friends? Or, I mean. Yeah, they were friends. Like, they were friends. Like, did you say, hey, I need you to act like my boyfriend? Or did you just. Like, it was, it was a real thing. But at the same time, it's like, they knew. They knew what was up. Yeah. Or maybe they gave tendencies themselves because, you know, it's pretty good. <laughs> <Being Yeah. there. laughs> That's, uh, I'm glad that it's, it's, I, I like to hear people laugh. I mean, I think laughter is one of life's joys that, you know, laughter is contagious. Like, yeah. I feel like if you, if you, as soon as you're done laughing, like your face is already fixed into a smile. You know what I mean? So I like to hear that. And especially whenever, people like me and you can look back at things we've been through and laugh, you know, like that's, I think that speaks to where we're at in life and how we're able to look at things and know that everything happens for a reason, you know, and it all works out. So I'm glad to hear that. But so you started, you're working with your dad doing construction. Um, you got dropped out of school. So you're about 17, 16, 17, I'd say, or you was a senior. So I guess you were closer to 18. Um, no, man, I was actually 20 years old <laughs> because I had failed uh, so many grades. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, did they tell you? I actually went to school with a guy who was like, they were telling him that if he didn't graduate that year, like he couldn't come back the next year because he would have aged out. Yeah, that's what they told me to. <laughs> um, <laughs> were you still just drinking and smoking marijuana at this point? Uh, yes. Um, when did you start experimenting with other drugs? Do you remember that? And what drug was um, it? Actually, I, I was uh, 21 years old. I got on, um, no, actually it was younger than that. My cousin Zebo and me got on mushrooms, uh, acid, ecstasy, and um, yeah, that was a crazy time then. So that started around 16, 17, 18. But it wasn't, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay those drugs because all drugs are dangerous. But um, so you were just doing like LSD, like uh, hallucinogenics? hallucinogenics? Yes, yes. Like we would do every chance we got, we would, we was on acid or molly or we was trolling 
doing all three at the same time. Yeah. Did you continue that? For a long, uh, long time. The reason I ask is because I know, like I asked you earlier, if you, uh, when you started smoking and drinking, if the Tylenol uh, consumption continued, because in my life, I like migrated. I mean, there's a time that I was doing everything, but like I would just like go through these little phases of like where I would want to get drunk all the time or I'd want to smoke weed or I'd want to like do swirlies on at this time or this time I was on Zans, you know, so that's why I was asking you like did you progress like that or was it yeah, just like just like, just like that progressed progressed. Dan to eating Percocets. Well, I, I hurt my knee, and uh, they gave me like 230-something, 512 Percocets at the hospital, and they just kept filling them up for about a year, and that's when I started snorting pills, and that's when I was about 19. I was still in high school. Did you have a surgery? No, uh, I didn't have to have the surgery. I didn't go do it. I just kept putting it off and prolonging it. So I could keep getting the pills. I was going to say, they kept giving you the pills. I mean, you really didn't have no motivation to get the surgery done because that would have stopped the pills, you know? Yep. That's why I kept kept putting stuff in the way. Yeah. Has your knee ever healed? There was nothing wrong with it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, honestly, they I used, and I'm going to be honest, dude, like, I used a, a, a friggin' crayon and a, uh, like, a blue crayon, and I'd use a pencil to make my skin real red, and I'd color it with the crayon and wipe it off, wipe it off till it stayed color, and they told me that everything was messed up, and, like, there was nothing wrong. Yeah. So you like um, a, you you played the role of the chameleon in the doctor's office too, huh? Yes, I did. I know uh, that's I, the reason I can say that is because I I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, playing certain roles uh, in certain situations, and even sometimes playing different roles in the same situation, you know, like playing against my other one, you know, so I know exactly what you mean. Uh, so we we're on these pills for a year. We've done hallucinogens. Like, uh, when, when did you think, when did you try something and you thought that it might've be a problem? Like, was there any, like, like, when did you, did you have any red flag moments of like, Hey, uh, I think I might be, you know, getting too far into this, or was it just all out? It was always all out. I always, anything I did, it's like I've always been that way. I just, just did it. Just all or nothing? Yeah, it's just like I had no fear of anything. Did, uh, did this attitude get you in trouble? All the time. Um, so we, we, we've progressed through your story and we're starting to, would you say when, at what moment would you, or what age would you say that your addiction really like got serious? Like it became like an issue for you with not even being able to like stay free or, you know, stay with your family or anything like that. 
Exactly. Uh, three weeks after I had my son. How old were you then? Uh, I was 22 when I got pregnant, and I was 23 when I had my son. I had him June 20th, 2002. Uh, two and a half weeks later, I got introduced to methamphetamine, and it was over. It was over for me. It happened. It happened fast, and 21 years went by. Like a blink of an eye? Like a blink of an eye. 21 years went by. That, like my son, he turned 21 June 20th. Wow. I didn't even know you had a son, Cody. Um, now, me and uh, Manny Alfaro, Manny Juanita. Yeah. We have a son. His name's okay. Kobe. Okay. That's all. Awesome. My mom's raised him from he was two weeks old till he's. He's in college, and he he stays with her, and like that's where his loyalty and his respect's at. Of course, it is. Yeah, but I get um, to see him. You know, I, I I get to see him, and I go see my mom. Of course, you know she's battling cancer. It's in remission, or not? We don't know if it's in remission right now, but it, her numbers are down again. Um, but he she, he stuck by her. She, I mean, their team. My mom had lost her mom too that year, which was my grandma. And um, I kind of helped her with her struggles too, I have to say. Because uh, he was almost, I think he was, uh, she died eight days after his first birthday. My grandma did, her mom. And uh, But yeah, they're, 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 they're a team. That's good. Yeah, I'm super proud of both of them. That is awesome. That's a blessing. Uh, it's it's uh, in the moment it might not feel like it, you know that. Yeah. There might and there might even have been more than one moment that it didn't feel like a blessing to have your mom raising your son, you know. But now, that yeah. Now that you can see, like, without that scope of, like, trauma and addiction, like, it, it really was a blessing. Like, she needed him almost, it seemed like, you know, with her mom passing, like, she yeah. needed him as much as he needed her. And, and that's what it was. Did she ever, uh, did she always allow you to see him, or were there ever moments where she, like, wouldn't allow you around him or her? Well, it come to a point where when I was coming around, I've never disrespected my mom. I've never raised a hand to my mom, never have, never will I. And I I got to where I was cussing and fussing at my mom, and she was just trying to tell me, like, you got a son. What's wrong with you? You need to straighten up. What's going on? I was in court, breaking in places, or robbing people. I was into everything. She didn't know if I was coming or going, and she she had to put a stop to it just for their own protection and their own sanity. And that's yeah. like really when it hit home, like so many times I've tried to quit cause I wanted, I wanted to be able to go to her house or see them and be there for them. And, and it was just like failed attempt, failed attempt, failed attempt. And that's, he just kept growing and growing and turned around and now he's 21. And it, I've slowly over this past two years, I've been sober. It, we're, we're, we're rebuilding and it's a process. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that. I'm not glad you said that. Um, no, I'm not glad you had to go through that or currently going through that. I mean, I have 
my daughters too. I haven't been able to see them. Um, and there's days like, like her birthday is on Monday and that's tough for me, you know, like yeah. regardless of anything, like how far I've came, all, any of this, you know, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I love when people tell me they're proud of me. Like I don't do it for that reason, but when people just genuinely tell me they're proud of me, like it just makes me look back on how far I've came and where I came from, you know? And yes, yes, I know. But even still, like, like Monday is going to be tough because I ain't going to be able to, able to see my daughter, you know, and oh, man. I understand that process, you know, and I, I was going to ask you since you said that, and I wanted to share mine too. So, you know, I know, I know the pain, you know, um, there were times when I tried before too, because I heard you say that you tried to get sober or you tried to change so you could go to your mom's house. Um, for me, I've done this too. Like this is, I'm not never going to say I got it, you know, because, you know, yeah. it can happen to anybody at any time, but I'm fairly confident this time that I have a lot of tools in my toolbox. But before, you know, I've been on a sober journey and the process of me seeing my kids or rebuilding those relationships like you're talking about with your son wasn't going as fast as I wanted it to. And I would let that like be, that would be the cause of my relapse basically. And I was just wondering if that ever happened to you. Yeah. Cause I'd, 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 I'd try and, and it'd be another upset or I'd be like trying to overcompensate by buying too much stuff just overdoing everything, just going too far, like uh, to the extensive of spending two, three thousand dollars on stuff that was too big for him or didn't, you know, stuff he wasn't even aged to have yet, you know. But I just kept, I would just try to show up in that manner, like, I can't explain it. And I just, uh, I, and then my mom would be like, you know, what's going on? And just for her asking me, what's going on in your life right now? Like, what? Are you working? Like, where have you been? Where have you been staying? And I just go off the handle, start cussing. Rah, rah, rah. And every time I'd have to leave, you know, my son, he would stick to her. And but I've never tried to, like, take him down the road from her or try to, because I knew I, I knew I couldn't take care of my son. I knew, and I, I was I was so thankful for my mom, like so thankful. And you know that took from her life too, raising my son. And, you know, she she put her own life on hold. She did great with me and my brothers because sometimes she'll ask, you know, what, you know, what, it has nothing to do. And I'm like, it has nothing to do with you. It's great. You're the best mom, you know. And sometimes she don't give herself enough credit sometimes too. And, but I hurt them. And just her asking or trying to tell me how she feels like I didn't want to hear. I didn't want to hear how bad I hurt them. So yeah. I was like over just, I just start screaming around and hollering and, give me more not to care like i'm going to get high because if i can't see if i can't be around them then what's the point yeah that's it exactly that's that's and right just, yeah. and being right. homeless too like not having nowhere to stay or being at cousin's house jumping house to house or couch to couch or staying in i would allow i would allow certain behaviors that i normally wouldn't allow people to treat me certain ways but just to have a place to stay and like and i'd have to go back to the trap because there was nowhere to go so basically it was like, yeah, I'm going to have to keep using because I'm going to have to keep hustling and doing this just, just to stay my head above water. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean there. And then like that life, 
like how earlier we were saying that it's just like all go all the time. It's really like that if you're at a trap yeah. house. Nobody sleeps. Oh. Like the only time somebody sleeps is like if they like have absolutely like just their body just shuts down. Or that's how yep. I would be. That's me. But I would always shut down in my vehicle <laughs> somewhere, yeah. and I'd go to campgrounds. KOA, thank you, KOA. <laughs> Wolf campground. I would go and take showers there. I never bothered nothing, or you know, because I was just grateful nobody said anything about me taking showers there. And I would take showers, and I wouldn't bother nothing. I hit the road. How long would you say that you was homeless? I mean, I could if I could if I could have quit quit doing drugs. My mama would have took me in in a second. You know. She would, you know, my mom would always have an open door, but there's times she couldn't. She just couldn't do it. So I'm gonna have to say, until seven months ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I stayed at the women's house the last 14 months, but the last seven months, you know, I got a brand new apartment. Yeah, congrats! I know you live by my mom. I think. Yes, 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 I do. And I've been, like I said, I've been at the hospital two years working and, you know, got, like I said, been at the women's home and uh, I, I had enough. But and at the same time now, we didn't have his resources back then. So that really, I feel like if we'd had these resources back then, man, it would have been a blessing then back then. But it came when it came. It's here now. It got so much help, so much opportunity here now for people like me. And I'm like, we got the men's home, the women's home and. It ain't because my mom would let me lay in the streets or nothing. It's just because of the damage I caused. And living there taught me how to how to act again, how to respect again. And I'd get to spend weekends with my mom and my son once I'd made it to a certain point and they could see that I wasn't going to give up this time. So they would allow me to come spend a weekend with them. Sometimes it wouldn't last all weekend. The argument would be there, but I've got to where I've learned how to, you know, back to Cody again. So I'm not, I'm not going to disrespect my mama. I'm just going to leave, go back to the women's home. Because this time I don't have to go back to the trap. I had somewhere to go, somewhere safe. So I That's didn't have awesome. to go back and use again because I had somewhere to go. That's awesome. It's awesome that you recognize that you should leave and that you have somewhere to go. Um I wasn't saying nothing bad about your mom either, Cody. I don't want you to think that. I always ask this question mm-hmm. to people because yeah, I think that <clears throat> the love that your mom had to possess to tell you that you couldn't come home, yeah. do you think you could do that for your kid? Do you think you could tell your kid not to come home? Yeah. If, if, I, if, I, if what I put my mom through and how I was acting and dangerous as I was then they they didn't know what it was going to do the way I was acting out and the things that were happening they just weren't allowing it they just couldn't I mean they had to have their own self-respect for themselves too and my mama didn't raise me like that and she wasn't she wasn't having it that tough love saved me because without that I couldn't see my. she if she didn't call me out on all those times and I didn't have to sit and look at myself I would have never looked at myself if she allowed it to happen all the time, I would have never changed. So you think that was the major, that was the major turning point, right? When she started showing yeah. you the tough love. Yep. That's when the, the I knew I'm not, I'm not going to, I've lost, if I lose my family, I've lost everything. 
So what was the first step to get you from, from there to where you are now? I, did you go to, re- did you go to rehab? I, did you, um, go ahead. But, uh, yeah, my mom's always been there though. I like, that's my hero to my best friend that she'd been there the whole time. Even when I was in trouble, she, you know, she might've not let me come home and put me on my ass, you know, so I'd see what I was doing to myself, but she was right there in my corner the whole time, the whole way, checking on me, making sure I didn't know this, but she was there the whole time checking on me, make sure it was okay. Even put money on my books, you know, when I'd go to jail, she was there the whole time. Like my mom, that's awesome. And I, I don't deserve, I didn't deserve that, but I thank God for her. Um, I was getting, you asked me something and I got, I got mixed up again. Oh, oh you're okay. You're okay. I'm, I'm glad to, that you're able to show that appreciation. You know, I hope your mom listens to this because you've talked nothing but good things about her. But you said your mom's tough love was one of the major turning points for you. After that, did you go to a rehab or did you have uh, any other things that happened to like help you along the journey? Well, my wife, I ended. I, I, I'm, I'm got married. Um, me and Jason Beck, I married her, and uh, she got sent to prison. And we were like, we were terrible, toxic, bad relationship. But we, we love each other. And she got sent on to prison, and I got in more trouble, and um, I got more charges and put in jail, and some stuff happened, and the court released me to my mom. And just to see my mom, she was just broken heart. It was done. And seeing my son and then the, her cancer and stuff. And I'm like, my mom's probably not always going to be here about death and everything else. Yeah, and JC being sent off and it was done. I was done. I told my mom I should take me to the hospital. Took me up there. I went into the recovery center. Laura Connor and Kyabe Bone. And I sat on the floor in the recovery center, and I said, if I leave this room today, I'm going to die. I, I, I need help. Can you help me? I'm here on my hands and knees crying. And they took me to the emergency room. Emergency room kept me 24 hours, told them everything I was on, put me in detox. Detox, I went to Conwell TE. Conwell TE graduated, went to the women's home. Two weeks later, got a job at the hospital kitchen. Worked there 15 months, and now I'm a peer support specialist at the Anna inpatient for the hospital, helping people just me in the same place I was at August uh, 4th of 2021. I was right there in that detox unit where they are, where they come in today when they do show up. I, I get to share my story and tell them, like, I know where you're at, and I, I know I know you can get, I know you can do this because I know how hard it is. Man, that's awesome, Cody. You had a complete full circle moment there, huh? Yes. You went from being Cody on the floor to now being the person that you were pleading for help from, right? Yep. That's awesome. The person I, I know God intended me to be. That's awesome. I'm, and I'm I was so scared, and my mom was scared. Like everybody was scared about JC coming home. We was in a toxic relationship. We used drugs together and the roads together. And you know, she comes home on parole, and she's in her SAT program. But she chooses. She chooses to stay sober. She chooses her recovery, and I thank God for that. And you know, she chooses. She chooses us. 
And she chose herself for main, the main thing. It's for her. It's not for me. Like, mine ain't for her. It's for herself. It's got nothing to do with me. Her recovery is her recovery. Mine's mine. But we got each other now to lean on because we know where we came from. And she has that support now. I have her support now, and her families are backing us up. And it's 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 amazing. God, it's all the grace of God, though. It all goes back to him. For real, that is awesome. Would you, uh, if somebody would have told you, you said your date was August 4th? Yep, 2021. Somebody would have told you in July of 21 that you would be where you're at now. Peer support specialist, going for your CDAC, married with your wife. Y'all got your own place. Y'all are both sober. Sober, would you have believed them? <laughs> no, no. I tell you, I, no, no way. Man, that's so awesome. I, I love to hear that, man. You about got me tearing up over here. I, I love to see people come from that dark place. It's it's one thing to see them come from the dark into the light, right? Yeah. But to see you come from the dark into the light and then go back into the dark as the light for other people to find their way out. That's beautiful. That's what it's all about right there. You know, that's owning your story. Um, I'm proud of you. I, thank you. I'm proud of you too. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm proud of us. I'm proud of everybody that's making waves in this recovery thing because I mean it's it's a it's on us to help break the cycles. You know. Um, yes, yes, it is. And, and I mean, I know a little bit about you. I know you know I know where you come from too. And I've seen you. I've seen you in some dark places and. To see you today and seeing your life and, you know, your family and your family there, your family here. And, you know, and I, I got to be with your brother, Greg, you know, we was in some recovery things together, too. Um, but, man, y'all are a kick-ass team, you know, and y'all can make a lot of changes, too. But you're great people, man. And I'm just glad we got I got to know you guys on the on the sober level. Yes, that's awesome. It's it's almost like meeting you for the first time, you know. It it is, <laughs> and we're meeting sober. <laughs> yeah, because I I feel like I've been sober since January twenty ninth, two thousand twenty one, and I feel like just from that January to last January, I grew so much, and then from last January to this January, like. I don't even think I'm the same person that I was two years ago, even though I was sober then too. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. I'm learning new stuff. Like I'm finding my purpose. I'm I'm trying out new things. So I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, so if, if there was somebody listening to us right now and they're struggling with active addiction, like they're, they're, they're struggling. And you could tell them one thing, what would you tell them? Get help. Come to the, come come to the hospital. Check yourself in. Tell somebody. Tell somebody help me. Ask for that help. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask. It don't matter how you come, just come. I don't care if you're high, if you're drunk, if you just shot up, it don't matter. When you're done, you're done. Just come. Just come. And it helps there, man. And don't give up. Just don't give up. Just, just don't. Just give yourself a chance. Get out of your way. You're worth it. You are worth it. This might be completely unrelated, but it's just a question that I have. Um, 
do we have a mobile like a mobile response team at the at the hospital like, I don't say, know. There was, um, like say somebody was needing help and they were at the trap house and you know how you know how it is um when you're withdrawn you might not feel like walking you know what i mean you might not feel like getting out of bed or off the floor or wherever you're at so if there was somebody out there that was like message you on facebook didn't have minutes and it was like hey cody i really need help i'm at this house like is there a way that we could get that person to the hospital or is that just you would just have to call the ambulance i think we would call the ambulance but at the same time the recovery center you know they got their peer support specialists down there and they go out i know they go out to the houses and try to talk them into coming in and uh, tell them, you know, they're there for them. They check in on them and stuff because they'll come up. Like Some people will show up and they'll leave. We'll see them again. And I think the, the workers there, I think they do go out in the communities and see what's going on with them, see where they're at and ask them, you know, yeah. are you okay? You want, do you want to come in? I think, I think that's their role. I feel like we could, uh, in that, you know, because, I'm not saying that addiction's not as important as other health issues, you know, but like if we could have like those like a van or something that went out and got people so that the ambulance wouldn't be tied up, you know what I mean? Yeah, that would be awesome. That, that's a good idea too. I, that's just something I, I I have ideas sometimes and I just, sometimes they're not feasible, but I just, I don't have a filter. I just have to say them, you know what I mean? But yes, I know. That's awesome. That's awesome work that they do. Um, that's awesome advice. Um, now I'm ask you, what would you tell a Cody Brady and her in the height of her active addiction? Would you, would there be something that you would tell yourself or do you think you would not listen? I don't think I would listen. <laughs> I, I, I would hear it and but when I was in my addiction, I didn't hear nothing. I, it, it took me, it took me to decide, this is it. I've had enough because I've been preached at. Till my mom was blue in the face. I've, I've tried to quit for everybody. I tried to quit for my son. I tried to keep, quit for my mom. I've tried to quit, and it was never for me. But when it was for me, and I knew, like when I knew it was done, I was done. I said those words and I meant it and I stood by it and it took me to decide that's it. I've had enough. I choose life today. That's awesome. Um, so now I got one more question about some advice that you would give somebody, but this is for say there's someone out there like, like your mom. There's maybe there's, maybe it's not a mom. Maybe it's a sister. Maybe it's a dad. Maybe it's a, a brother of somebody who's struggling. Is there anything that you would tell that person, the family member? If they're not, they're the ones going through it with somebody in addiction. Yeah. Like, you know how, like how it's yeah, hard. My mom through. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Don't take it personal. What your child or sister or aunt or your mom's doing out there. It, it really is the addiction because they don't want to hurt. I had to use myself. When I was in addiction, I didn't want to hurt my family. I don't want to hurt nobody. So to the people that are putting up with the person in addiction, just don't give up. Don't lose hope. Just keep sending prayers. Just keep praying because that's all you can do. But just 
just don't give up on them because it, the addiction it, it is a battle but don't personalize and don't 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 hold on to the bad stuff that the addict does because it, it's not that person it's really not it's an addiction that's so. really good advice Cody I, I like to hear I mean you've I think that when people like us give messages, it resonates a little bit more because I know where you've been. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I've seen you. I've seen you out there when I was down bad. You was down bad, too. So yeah. I know that you know what you're talking about, if that makes sense. It does. Because um, I know for myself, like, even though some sometimes people, uh, I'm not going to say they were any other race, but I'm just going to say that they wasn't from Cherokee. There was a therapist that wasn't from Cherokee trying to talk to me, and I automatically disconnected as soon as they walked in the room because I knew that they weren't like me, and they weren't the same race. They didn't grow up where I came. They didn't grow up where we grew up, and also they probably hadn't been through addiction like I had. So even though they were probably giving me really good advice, I didn't listen because I I already had it in my mind that they didn't know what they were talking about, you know. And they don't, and they they couldn't possibly know. They ain't no textbook can ever describe what we went through. Yeah, so I'm I'm proud of you for coming through this. I'm proud of you for using your story. I wanted to say thank you for coming on here and telling me your story because I know it's hard. I I just told my story and man, I I felt like mm-hmm. as soon as I got through telling it, man, I felt like like I was ten pounds lighter. You know, like I was standing <laughs> a little bit taller, so. I'm feeling the I, same way now. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. We deserve to feel like that after things we've been through, you know. Um, yes. I want to. Tomorrow is um, International Overdose Awareness Day. And I yep. wanted to. Uh, while you're on here with me, if we could just like take a moment of silence for, I don't know if you've had anybody close to you. I'm probably sure, I'm sure you have, um, but I've had friends, I've had family in the past month or two that have passed on due to like drugs, you know, and I just wanted to, at this moment, like take a moment of silence for the people that we've lost to overdose. Okay. Um, do you have anything you would like to add about the overdose awareness day? It's a hard time for a lot of people I know, and it's a hard time for me too. I've I've lost a lot of people real close to family also. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. Yeah, that's uh. I just want to add to um. That family member that, that passed on too soon, they wouldn't want to see you sad and feeling down. You know, they would want you to live your life to the fullest because they don't have a chance to. So when you're remembering your loved ones, just remember that. Just live your life to the fullest because in a way, you're not only living for yourself, but you're living for them too because they didn't get a chance to grow old with us. Yeah. Um, thank you, Cody. Uh, it's been. Thank you for having me. Thank you.